There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Thinking Sideways is not brought to you by your weird uncle who always brings candy that tastes kind of funny. Instead, it's brought to you by CrimeCon. That's right, CrimeCon. If you haven't heard us talk about it before, CrimeCon is going to be June 9th through 11th of this year, 2017. And it's going to be at the JW Marriott in Indianapolis. There's going to be uh, a lot of famous folks there, uh, crime commentators, investigators. There's even going to be some sniffer dogs that we get to talk to. I really want to find out what those dogs have to say. There's going to be other podcasts there that deal with crime just like us. So there's going to be great panels. I think we're going to be on a panel. So you should definitely come. As a special offer to our listeners, we have a promo code of SIDEWAYS20 to get 20% off your registration fee. So go to CrimeCon.com and register today, and we can't wait to see you guys in June. Thinking Sideways. I don't get it. Uproot the aliens. You must unlearn what you have done. I don't know. Stories of things we simply don't know the answer to. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Thinking Sideways, the podcast. I'm Devin, joined as usual by... Joe. Also known as Squinty. Squinty Mm -hmm. McGee over there. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Oh, sorry, I'm now going by Squirrel. Oh, Squinty and Squirrel. Yeah, that works, yeah. Okay, great. Just in case you're wondering, I'm I'm just messing with Devin Mm -hmm. by squinting at it really hard and suspiciously. Yeah, Yeah. calling you Squinty, you didn't give that away at all. Uh Yeah. Today we're going to talk about a mystery. 
not cooking. And we're going to talk about a mystery that was suggested in 2014 by Hunter and then by literally every single one of you Lots since of people. then. So two, 2014? Mm-hmm. When was that? Um, Very beginning. It was, was a long really time long ago. time ago. Yeah, yeah we're, we're old. We're old. It's true. And bitter. Yeah. Um, so we're going to talk about the disappearance and subsequent murder of the Grimes sisters this year. This year? This week? This week? I mean, we can do it all year if I mean, you really we are want. doing it this year. It is happening this year. All right. <laughs> Sorry. Well, we're, we're really on track It's going right to be now. a good episode, you guys. Just getting ready for it. Uh, so if you don't know, quick overview is that on December 28th, 1956, Barbara and Patricia Grimes, who are aged 15 and 13 respectively, disappeared, and then they were found dead on January 22nd, 1957, in a shallow ditch on the side of the road hmm. near Chicago. Yep. All right. Okay. Yeah, you're, you're, this is two Chicago shows in a row for you. Yeah, it's actually two Silas Jane episodes in a row. Yeah, two murders in a row. Yeah. It's, you know, we're get those ratings up, guys. I <laughs> 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 Gotta pump it. Murder. <laughs> Let's back up a little bit. Give a little context. Yeah, let's hear about, about Chicago. When was Chicago founded? Well, Chicago was founded in 1792. Close enough. When okay. Columbus sailed the ocean blue. Yeah, okay. <laughs> right? That's yeah. how that looks. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> okay, no, for seriously. The Grimes sisters lived with their mom, their older brother and sister, and their younger siblings. There were a lot of siblings, and They're frankly, bunch, I've yeah. never seen exactly how many kids were in this family but they were one of they were two of many i know there were at least five i think there were at least five too yeah and they were in a working class neighborhood called mckinley park uh, which is kind of south and west of downtown chicago it's not a suburb it's a neighborhood of chicago i get i mean i just take for granted that people understand how big cities work but i guess it's possible that they don't it's that you know most of them have kind of neighborhoods Mm -hmm. within that have their own names and you can even just google like mckinley park illinois and it comes up i did it today Yeah. yeah And it's probably, the address officially probably is Chicago. It is. It's yeah. in Chicago. Yeah, it's, there's a lot of that going on right here in solidly, River City. Yeah, yeah. solidly in Chicago. Uh, it's about halfway to Midway Airport on um, I-90. It's not on I-90, but it's oh. that sort of way, if you're familiar with the Chicago area at all. Anyway, the girls who were predictably for the time into uh, the king, Mr. Elvis Presley himself, Who wasn't? Yeah, and um, on the night of their disappearance, the girls were attending a double feature showing of the Elvis film Love Me Tender, and apparently, who cares what the second film was because it was Love Me Tender. I think the second was the Elvis' film Love Me to Death. (laughs) I don't think so. No. What was the movie where Elvis played the serial killer? I can't remember now. I don't know. I'm not an aficionado of Elvis films. It may surprise you to know, given yeah, that I am, was not a teenage girl in the 50s. Yeah. Which is weird. Me either, actually. It is weird that I wasn't. It's true. This was actually their 15th viewing of this film, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot of times. Uh, you know, young people, I've noticed, uh, have a, a much bigger tolerance for repetition. Yeah, better capacity. Typically, though, you you observe that in younger people who are in single digits of the age. You know, I want to watch Thomas the Train again kind of repetition, not go to the movie theater. Well, Mm. you know. But then again, it's the time. It's the equivalent of maybe. Well, I I was going to say it's, you know, 15 and 13 is a time of 
certain sexual awakenings and you know when you've got elvis in this love film i can understand how maybe that would be you know, something just, you do a lot and maybe, maybe that was just a good way for them to get out of the house that's exactly what i was gonna say yeah, yeah. yeah. uh so they i think they walked to the theater every report says they got to the, nobody knows how they got to the theater but they only had two dollars and 15 cents on them although if you see on some web pages it says two dollars and 50 cents yeah either way it's like about 23 dollars adjusted for inflation oh today's money yeah and obviously this is keeping in mind also that you know the the cost of film even adjusted for inflation has gone up quite dramatically you know yeah when i was a kid i don't want to date myself too much but movies in general (laughs) even first run ones were not as exorbitantly expensive yeah even adjusted for you know yeah i I personally blame michael bay yeah Uh, yeah i mean uh, star wars actually star wars actually they actually bumped ticket prices for the original star wars and Mm -hmm. and and every movie after that was boop guess what yeah, yeah, so $23 was not nothing, but it wasn't it wasn't a ton of money, especially for both of them. It was about enough for them to the pay for their mean? film. Yeah, sorry, the equivalent of $23. So the 215 is enough for them to pay for their movie tickets, their double feature tickets, get some popcorn for themselves, and then catch the bus home. Mm-hmm. Um, but probably not enough for them to have also taken the bus there, but maybe. Um, and the, the movie started it was uh, like a seven o'clock start or something like that wasn't it it was a seven thirty start okay. and then there was the intermission at nine thirty between the two yeah and then the then the double feature ended at like eleven eleven thirty ish which is is late um if it's a school night yeah i don't think it probably was it's you know december 28th oh yeah they no were school. probably on break yeah it's kind of hard to imagine sitting through a double feature today i did it all the time as a kid I saw the last time I saw a double feature was on my sixth for my 16th birthday. My mom and I took a road trip and we were went to a drive in and we saw a double double feature of Finding Nemo and Pirates of Caribbean. So if that ages me, there you go. Dates me. Now you know exactly how old I am because nobody knew until this moment exactly how old I was. Yeah, you're pretty old. I am super old. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, way old. Yeah. Okay. So they, the girls did arrive safely. At the movie theater. We know that for sure. We know that for sure. They actually were seated in front of a friend, Dorothy, and her younger sister. Dorothy reports the girls were enjoying the film. They got popcorn around 9.30 at intermission time. You know, let's all go to the lobby. Mm. How did Dorothy um, know that they were enjoying the film, he asked suspiciously. I, all she could see was the back of their heads. <laughs> I presume they were enjoying it together, all of them. And then their mother, her name was Loretta, uh, had been told by the girls, we're just going to go see the one, the first movie and then we'll come straight home. But she, being their mother, knew better and said mm. they're going to stay for the whole thing. So she was expecting them home around 1130. Teenage girls are known to lie yeah. when Elvis is involved. Also, I think you just get caught up in it. You know, you just... Um, you think, oh, all my friends are here. It's popcorn. And you're thinking my ass just doesn't quite hurt enough. So I'm <laughs> going to sit through another yeah, movie. Sit yeah, sit through another one. Yeah. But Midnight rolled around... And um, the girls still weren't home. And so Loretta started to get worried and sent her two elder children to wait at the bus stop for the girls. And um, apparently three buses went past, none of them carrying the sisters. So at about 2.15 a.m., Loretta called the cops and reported the girls missing. From there... There are a lot of reported sightings, and we're just going to go ahead and talk about all of them. Yeah, well, uh, I'm not sure how credible... A lot of them are not yeah. probably very credible, but 
we're going to talk about all of them anyway. Well, what the hell? Yeah, why not? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Got to fill this episode with something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, frankly, after this, well, it's time to roll the credits. Mm-hmm. because No, just kidding. No, just kidding. There's a lot to talk about here. So that night, quote unquote, numerous people. It's never, I've never seen how many people. Other than their friends that they sat in front of. Well, numerous people reported seeing them on a CTA bus. Oh, okay. Sorry. I'm... I was still back at the theater. Oh, yeah. CTA being Chicago Transit Authority. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, Heading east, which would have been the opposite. Oh, no, it would have been heading home for them. Sort of kind of home, yeah. Kind of home, yeah. So that's probably accurate. Yep. But they may or may not have gotten off that bus at Western Avenue at um, 11.05 p.m., which was only about halfway to their house on the bus. Two teenage boys reported that they were driving in a neighborhood and saw the two girls at about 11.30 heading east on 35th Avenue in good spirits, jumping out of doorways at each other and giggling. That which that would have been about two blocks from their house. Sounds so about right. It sounds like they... That, I'm, I'm happy to accept that. They almost made it home then. They almost made it home. Um, however, an L train conductor said that he saw the girls get off a train at the Glenview stop uh, that night. Glenview is a suburb of Chicago to the north near Palatine, which of course you I might remember Palatine from a recent episode. Yeah. And um, it's about 20 miles uh, northeast of, of their home in McKinley Park. So that one I'm a little questioning there. Uh, well, yeah. I was going to say, we should stop for just a quick second here because we're going to have a little bit of this going on and just say we've got two girls, 15 and 13. They're teenage girls. They're of average height. One's got short hair. One's got longer hair. They're blonde. Were they blonde? Light brown hair. I, I it's always hard to tell because they're black and white photos, so I was never sure. Yeah, I mean they're. But they they you know there's it's not as if they have any crazy distinguishing you know unique features about them. They look like most te- young teenage girls well, of the time. Exactly, which is why I think a lot of these sightings were not necessarily. There. Which is why yeah. I wanted to point that out. I yeah. would agree with that. And they were kind of short. Barbara was the oldest. She was five foot one. I heard, and Patricia was five foot three, mm-hmm. even though she was two years younger. Yeah, Barbara still, was not tremendously tall. Yeah. No, I mean, my height Yeah. Yeah. Also, the night of the 28th, a security guard claimed that two girls asked him for directions. Well, I guess it was like early in the morning on the 29th. It was about 2 a.m. He said that the girls asked him for directions, and he was stationed at Central and Lawrence at the bus station there, which is about 15 miles away from their home at McKinley Park. On the evening of December 29th, a classmate of Patricia reported seeing Patricia and two unidentified girls, neither of whom were Barbara, walk past the diner that she was having dinner at. The diner was in McKinley Park, and um, I don't really know what time that was. I presume dinner-ish time. That's a good question. It's hard to say. Mm Mm-hmm. By the way, did she report that immediately that evening? I believe so, yeah. Although I don't think she, you know, turned to her parents or anything and said, look. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know if she was with her parents or what, but she did report that pretty quickly. On December 30th at 5. Two days after the disappearance. disappearance, At 5.40 a.m., the owner of a restaurant called The D&L claimed to have seen both girls with one of his dishwashers named Benny Bedwell. Reports are that Patricia was uh, appeared to be drunk or sick 
Um, she was so kind of messed up and disoriented that she wasn't able to walk without help. Or too drunk. Yeah. I mean, sick or drunk. She need, she was staggering and kind of needed help walking. A clerk at the Claremont Hotel claimed that the girls briefly stayed at his hotel. There's no dates associated with the stay, but I presume it was before the new year. And I also wasn't able to find the location of the Claremont Hotel. As far as I can tell, the Claremont Hotel is like a chain. Today. Today, and the only one that comes up when you Google is in California. So I'm pretty sure it wasn't the one in California. (laughs) Nah, (laughs) probably not. Um, But I Uh, wasn't able to find any historic data about where it was. That's a little weird, though. You know, you're a clerk at a hotel, and these two young girls come up and want want a room. It's well, funny you should say that because we'll talk about that in a second. Yeah. But I'm just trying to do these chronologically, so I'll pause on that comment for a second. On January 1st, there were reports that the girls were on a CTA train on Damon Avenue. Damon runs north-south pretty much the whole length of Chicago, so I'm I'm not totally sure. Where? Where? Along its route? Yeah. Uh, or length? Uh, hand me a dart. I'll throw it up now. <laughs> on January 2nd, a hotel clerk at the Unity Hotel said he refused two girls... Matching their description, a room because they were too young. Mm. And this hotel clerk, it is reported, picked the girls out of a photo, like identified them from a photo and said, those are the two girls that I denied mm. a room to. Of course, their their photos had already been put published in the paper, yes. right? Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. On January 3rd, three employees say the girls were in their department store listening to Elvis albums. It was a Kresge department store. Uh, which are now called Kmart's. You know, actually, until you researched this story for us, I did not know that Kmart had devolved or I didn't evolved either. from Kresge or Kresge. I didn't either. Um, yeah, good to know. And Steve found the location of that. I, in my research, wasn't able to find... The closest one I could find was in Michigan, but that is wrong. So it's in... Do you remember what the... It's downtown. Downtown. It's, um, downtown Chicago. Yeah, it's about a mile and a half northeast of where the south and the north legs of the Chicago River meet. Okay. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of in that city, city center area. Yeah, downtown. Yeah. Yeah. There was a report in Nashville of the girls from a woman who said that she met them at a bus station and went that with them to a state employment agency. Because they were looking for work. I guess they were looking for work. She recalled them having used the name Grimes and apparently was able to identify them from their photos. But again, the photos... We're circulating nationwide at this point. But nobody at the state employee agency recalled meeting them? Mm -mm. Apparently. No, it's just this one woman. And then on January 14th, Patricia's friend Sandra's parents got two phone calls around midnight. I'm not sure if it was the midnight, the 14th or midnight, the 15th. Which date? Right. Yeah, I don't know which. It does not that it really matters that much, but the first call was just silence, and then the second one was placed about fifteen minutes later with a quote frightened and depressed unquote voice on the other end asking, "Is that you, Sandra? Is Sandra there?" But the caller hung up before Sandra's mother could get Sandra. Um, But the mom is pretty sure that it was Patricia calling. Mm. Okay, so that's all the sightings. So I, I suspect oh, there's a lot of power of suggestion in a lot of these settings. I would say that's true, yeah. In the vast majority of them, probably, if not all of them. Yeah, that's for sure. not That's not unusual. No, yeah. especially when like a nationwide hunt is on. <laughs> yeah. On January 22nd, 
1957, so almost a month after the girls disappeared. Three weeks, yeah. Yeah, almost a month. Uh, 25 days. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Leonard Prescott, who was a local construction worker guy, was driving along German Church Road, which is like 200 feet away from being in Willow Springs, Illinois. And Willow Springs is a small village that's like west of Chicago. Which I'm sure is part of Chicago today. It, uh, it's not, actually. It's oh, still it's not? not. No, it's still a village. And it's about 20 miles southwest of McKinley Park down I-55 or Interstate 55. I don't remember what they call it in Chicago. We call it, we would call it I-55. Uh, Leonard is driving home and spots some naked bodies on the side of the road behind the guardrail. He didn't, he actually said he thought they were mannequins at first. Yeah, he just saw yeah. some like naked, like whatever's there. Hum, human forms. Human forms. And he, so he kept driving home and the more he thought about it, the more he thought, I should go back no, and I, look. No, I'd yeah. better go back and look. So he collected his wife, Marie. And Where did he collect her from? Home. Oh, she wasn't a collector's item? No, no, no. Uh-huh. Ha ha. No. Uh, he got her from home, and they both got in the car and drove back to where he thought he had seen these mannequins. And then... Somebody had done the old switcheroo, and they weren't mannequins they anymore? They weren't mannequins anymore. Um, no, it was their naked bodies. And actually, apparently, the sight of it uh, was so horrific to Marie that she fainted on site. Mm, that's so they, understandable. Of course, being good human beings, call the authorities. Leonard actually was very wise to do what he did by not just stopping. If he, if I'm driving along and I'm near my home and I think I see a couple of naked bodies on the side of the road. Go get somebody. I'm going to go get somebody to find them with so yeah. that I am not spotted being the person next to said naked oh, yeah. bodies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, good yeah. Point. Especially because, you know, these are the pre-cell phone days, so you have to, like, leave to call somebody. So if you're spotted standing there and then you leave, (laughs) even if you're going to call the authorities, that is going to look probably not great. Right. Well, it looks a little hanky, but then that's why you don't dawdle. You get that phone call into the ASAP. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So both girls were naked and dead. That probably goes without saying. Barbara was laid over on her left side with her legs slightly drawn up to her body. And Patricia was laying on her back, covering Barbara's head, kind of. Laying on top. Basically, her body was partially on top of Mm -hmm. her sister's. Yeah, and it was deemed really likely that they had just been dumped there from a passing car. Yeah, they were just dumped. There's a bit, there's a rail, and it slopes down, kind of, mm-hmm. and it does look that. I'm sure the car stopped, but they, yeah, they, they, they were pretty unceremoniously, uh, unceremonious about it. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's one dumped. of those metal guardrails, you know, yeah. the ones that's got two humps in it. Yeah, so, yeah. And, and yeah. there's the, the are... photograph. There's a photograph of it out mm-hmm. on the web, although it's extremely low res. But well, you can see it if you really want to. But yeah. you don't really need to. We've already described it. We so, have. Hey. Yeah, and uh, you know the Wikipedia article at the bottom. It you know that always says like suggest posts and one of them is murders and one of them is dump jobs <laughs> <laughs> which is the thing apparently it's like the accepted nomenclature for this so there you go oh. experts disagree heavily on the time of death for the grime sisters the experienced pathologist who performed the initial autopsy said that due to the contents of their stomachs and the likely portions of their last known meals, they likely died within 24 hours of their disappearance, um, but even more likely within five hours of leaving the theater. So they would have died late uh, December 28th or early t- December 29th. Mm-hmm. 
Sounds about right. At the unless, t- unless their their kidnappers like fed them the exact same meal, which I saw, well, some egg, some or not egg, right? Some potato dish, and I can't remember what it was now. Yeah, it was just some potato, and, and, and then they had popcorn. And then no, I think they had a chocolate chip cookie. And they had fruit. popcorn. And then at popcorn the at the theater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not something that would have been terrible. I mean, it's not as though they had dinner, you know, right then. It would have been pretty well digested stuff in mm-hmm. their stomach. Or their innards and their intestines. Yeah. yeah. Um, but at the time, the chief investigator to the coroner's office, whose name was Harry Gloss, uh, he disagreed adamantly. He was citing the bodies. Um, they were found with a thin layer of ice on them. And he argued that the girls would have had to have been alive until at least the 7th of January, given that only after the 7th there was enough snowfall to react with any latent body temperature to melt the snow to refreeze into a little sheet of ice on their bodies. Mm, I kind of question his analysis, but... So. Uh, I, I actually think that there might be a little bit of logic to it. And no, he, it's might ha- he might have an interesting angle, and I don't know if you want to talk about this now or if this is going to come up in theories at all. You always ask that question like I know what you are going to talk about. Uh, yeah, we can talk about it. I'll just mention briefly before we talk about it that there also wasn't sufficient snowfall or other covering to hide the bodies until after the 7th. Not that that means that they had to have died there, except for that maybe because their official cause of death was secondary shock due to exposure. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the theory is that they died from exposure after being dumped there. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, Gloss's theory is like, there would have been no way that nobody saw these bodies for a month if they were laying here and also that ice wouldn't have formed on them. So, so the only, well, the only thing I'm going to say is that it, it, he, he makes the assumption that the ice has to form because of latent body heat. It is possible that the girls died of some, uh, of exposure somewhere and some creepo kept him in his basement or something. Or in and a then, freezer. Or, or, well, just somewhere, but then there's, they're not, they're not frozen, so they're in his car, they're kind of at room temperature, and then when he dumps them outside, mm-hmm. at that point, they're going to have some residual heat from sure. the environment they were in prior to being deposited over the side of the guardrail. Yeah. That's the That's... only thing, is that it's like, he, he just, he said they had to be alive because of, but he might have hit on something, he might have just been looking at it in the wrong way. Well, the reason, the reason I don't buy that quite is that uh, there wasn't actually uh, a lot of any decomposition to speak of. So if they'd been kept around at room temperature for that length of time, they would have been in, the bodies would have been in much, much worse shape than they were in, which is why I kind of support the theory that they were murdered sometime like right after they disappeared and just kept in a deep freeze somewhere, like a meat locker or something, mm-hmm. and then eventually taken out and dumped. You know, And but probably... Then- Probably waiting for the first snow and then and just saying, hey, this would be an opportune time to dump the bodies because mm-hmm. they'll be covered with snow for a while. Yeah, but I do have that. I do agree with Gloss that it's a little weird. They they were, but to, to Joe's point of somebody keeping them in the deep freeze, mm-hmm. the bodies were so frozen that they had to be taken to the MEs and let sit around for a while yeah. to defrost. No, no, I totally agree with that. Yeah, it's it, just, it took it's, like at least a day, I think. Yeah. yeah, it is just interesting that there was that thin layer of ice that formed on their skin and again you know for anybody who's thinking this because my first reaction was like well yeah if they were kept in a deep deep freeze of course there would be ice on their bodies no no no. yes there would be ice on it but 
It'd be it, ice crystals, not an ice sheet. Yeah, and the ice sheet could have only formed in their current positions. Mm-hmm. And if they were just, you Moving know, unsummariously dumped, it. you know, they had to have been transported and dumped somewhere, so... True that, but at the same time, I mean, I, you know, I mean, we have a, around here, we get a little snow and then it, and it thaws a little bit and it freezes again. Mm-hmm. I mean, we get that all the time around here, yeah. freezing rain and stuff. Absolutely. Like, I mean, yeah. Absolutely. I just, it happens just about everywhere. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So Absolutely. we don't know, but I, I still think, yeah, they probably died shortly after they were kidnapped. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then. Oh, and as to the cause of death, I, I, I read one analysis by a guy who claims to have been working on the case as a cold case for a while. He said that. One of the things you don't hear about is that there was actually bruising on both of their cheeks, there was, which is consistent with somebody put a, clapping a hand over their faces and smothering them to death. Yeah, there was a lot of bruising on their bodies, Yeah, but apparently no obvious fatal wounds. Yeah, no, this is just a, a little bruising on their cheeks, mm-hmm. which would be consistent with just uh, somebody forcefully you know, yeah. holding you know, his hand over their face. Yeah, which is totally possible. Barbara's body had three puncture wounds in like her chest area that were likely from an ice pick, which I'm not sure why we're not classifying that as obvious fatal wounds. But hey, I'm not a mm-hmm. coroner, so okay. But the girls of note, the girls didn't have anything to indicate intoxication of any time, including poisoning. The bodies, like I said, had some bruising and they did have rodent bites. It's not clear when the rodent bites happened, though most people think it probably happened in the time that they were dumped. Well, yeah, it's, um, it's not. It was slight. It was slightly wooded, and you're going to have rats and raccoons mm-hmm. and all those little critters mm-hmm. who were going for the soft bits first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, they did kind of go. I was going to say they bit. went for f- the faces mm-hmm. yeah. first, and I will also say that while neither of the girls reportedly had signs of rape, at least Barbara likely had uh sex around the time of her death yeah apparently that was there's was no evidence of any forcible rape on either one of them but barbara mm-hmm. did have sperm in her body mm-hmm. so that could just mean she had sex with her boyfriend a few days before mm-hmm. i mean it's hard well, to say yeah it could have been yeah it's yeah Yep. Uh, in... You were thinking necrophilia there for a second, weren't you? <laughs> I, I, I was just trying to do the math of like, how long do sperm? <laughs> I, I have heard body? that they can live as long as like five days in a woman's body, but that's probably that's an, kind but of. But I an also outlier. don't know. But I also don't know how like how you would know necessarily how old. I mean, she died, especially at that time. You know. Yeah, the dating of it, and if she's been dumped and sitting there for twenty some days. I mean that it, it, especially in the fifties, it becomes very hard to get very exact of. Oh well, this is was obviously two days old before. Mm, yeah, mm. it would be almost impossible, I think. Nah, they, they found some, but God knows when it got there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In May of nineteen fifty-seven, so five months after their bodies were found, Loretta got a call from a man who said that he knew who had killed her daughters and that he had helped undress them. The caller also told Loretta something that she found very startling. Quote, I know something about your little girl that no one else knows but you, not even the police, and it's never been in the papers. The smallest girl's toes were crossed on both her feet. Barbara was the smallest girl, and apparently, yes, her toes were crossed on both her feet. It was a deformity. It was a deformity, and everybody agrees that was not something that anybody other than the killer or you know anybody who like knew her personally but or like what a who did gym class with her in high school yeah but like what a seriously deranged troll it's oh, yeah. like that's a troll it's, oh yeah it is and but people like there are 
Tons of people like that. And, and this, she got multiple callers calling her and taunting her yeah. for quite a while. It, yeah. was, it wasn't, she, you know, she, you hear the stuff of, I recognize this voice, but there was, from what I've read in the old newspapers, she had at least three distinct weirdos mm-hmm. calling her and saying god awful stuff. Yeah, to but this one did stand out because it, I mean, this person clearly knew something about her daughter that not a lot of people knew. I mean, like, realistically, I remember in my gym class, like, I couldn't tell you if any of my, the girls that I went to gym class with had, like, weird toes. Like, you're not... It's one of those those dealios, and we all know this. We've been to high school or gym class. You could go your entire time, and nobody would ever notice. But if one jerk does notice, and they point it out to everybody, and everybody's going to be, like, looking at your toes from then Mm -hmm. on, you know, so... Yeah, but it it does sound like... It's hard to say. I mean, I think this was widely reported, right? That like no one knew this. So that was why. And I, I guess maybe I believe the best in people, but I believe that if everybody in school knew that she had crossed toes, at least one of the friends would have come forward and said, no, no, no. Everybody in our high school knew, like everybody knew about that. Mm. They wouldn't necessarily just say, I mean, I would, if I, if somebody said, and only three people knew about this thing. And I was like, no, we all knew about it. I would tell that person just to like, maybe. Uh, so, so change the scenario though. It's entirely possible that our, our troll caller worked for the ME's office or worked at the funeral home or at a friend or, of a friend of a friend or got, like you know, knew yeah. somebody who got drunk and, and let slip something that worked in one of those places. I mean, there are some very simple, not directly involved ways and not just the high school theory that that information could have slowly seeped out and somebody just grabbed it and was such a I guess weirdo, but it's such a, but it's like even weirder to me that like an ME would be like, oh yeah, you know, that double murder case that we found, you know, it was weird about that. That girl had crossed toes, (laughs) you know, like that's weird to me too. People sit, people sit around and talk about their work and they talk about their case. And this is the case. And you know, the thing that nobody ever talked about was, I mean, it happens. Yeah. I mean, it's not supposed to happen, but people are human and details slip. They yeah. do. That, yeah, a lot of that stuff gets circulated more widely than you think. I mean, her doctor was probably aware of the condition, and who knows, a night janitor might have rooted around in people's medical files. You yeah. Know? I mean, God knows. Yeah, and, it's true. Yeah. Especially if they're the kind of person to call a woman who just had two of her daughters murdered and uh, taunt her. They're probably not, you know, worried yeah. about... Yeah, yeah their that's scruples true. are free. Yeah. yeah, but I do or think it could have been the killer. I think it could have been, or his accomplice. Mm-hmm. Um, or somebody who just knew. Yeah. Maybe it wasn't even the. Maybe he wasn't even there. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that that one call is pretty weird. Yeah. And we'll talk about why that call is weird in a little bit. Okay. When we get to theories. You need to uncross your toes. Yeah. Okay. Gordon, Rachel, Paula, and Emerald—they all make it seem so easy. You watch them climb into that teeny little box and think. How do they do it? How do they make that little place seem so big and magical and at the same time make delicious meals appear? Well, the answers are pretty simple. First, they're not actually in your television. That's an illusion. And second, they have other people helping them out behind the scenes and now you can too. With my busy life, I don't have time to be running back and forth to the grocery store and that's why Home Chef is my new best friend. Home Chef offers easy-to-prepare meals that are delivered straight to my door, and there's no headaches and no hassles. And with Home Chef, I get to cook like a five-star chef whenever I want. 
Their meals are mouth-watering and pre-portioned ingredients are so easy to prepare, it only takes me about 30 minutes. Just last night, I made Home Chef's chicken marsala and it was amazing and super easy to make. Home Chef's weekly meal delivery system fits my crazy schedule and that's why I keep coming back. Craft a delicious meal that you're guaranteed to go wild for with Home Chef. Go to homechef.com slash sideways now and you get $30 in free meals. Again, that's homechef.com slash sideways for that $30 in free meals. Make it look like you're doing it all on your own. We won't tell. And we're back. When your toes are straight. They're straight now. No more hammer toe. Let's talk about theories. Theories. Well, there's a lot of theories in this one. Well, kind of. Yeah. And one well, thing. Well, actually, not really. One thing that I'm just going to go ahead and say right off the bat, and that's the, the thing that has bothered me about this case and probably why I didn't really want to do it for a while, is that there's a lot of theories about, like, who's the murderer and when were they murdered, but never, like, why or what happened to them or anything like that. Yeah, nobody ever especially actually came up since, with a good motive for yeah, it. Yeah, and especially since it sounds like it's likely they were within two blocks of their home when they got abducted. Nobody ever talks about, was it, a, you know, boy, did they know them? Did they willingly go with this person? You what would think it would be somebody they knew. You would think so too, but yeah. I'm just going to go ahead and like start off by saying that frustrates me more than anything on this case, that there's no, nobody seems to care about that. They just seem to care about who did it. Mm-hmm. But we're gonna talk about the first theory, um, and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna toss it in here because you'll see it everywhere. Obviously, it's a bad theory, but it was the prevailing theory until January 22nd. It kind of was, um, and that was that the girls had just run away. Uh, you remember there was that one sighting, quote unquote sighting, in Nashville in the record store. No. Oh. That in was, Nashville. That oh, was at the sorry, work, sorry, yeah. uh, the, the work employment agency. Uh-huh, yeah. yeah. So there was a very popular theory at the time that the girls had actually run away to just go either live with Elvis or like him or emulate his lifestyle. So mm. they had reportedly run off to Tennessee to live like Elvis. Or uh, maybe live with Elvis. Or How live you know they with didn't Elvis, live with him maybe. and he got bored with him and murdered him. Maybe, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's good theory, Joe. I like that theory. It's not a good theory. Um... So I'm not really sure what the people thought the motive was, but apparently that was a a big theory. It was such a big theory, in fact, that uh, Graceland at the time uh, released a statement on the 19th of January, unfortunate timing, uh, that says, if you are good Presley fans, you'll go home and ease your mother's worries. I had heard even that, and of course this is, again, time goes by and things get twisted up. I heard Elvis himself went on the radio and actually pled with the girls to go home. I've not seen that. Yeah, I, I, I suspect that that's not true. Yeah, but maybe. Could very well be. Yeah, it's hard to say about that. I, I don't know. I like Joe's idea though that the king did it. I uh, yeah, oh, yeah. Too. Although those girls did not look like small pills, so I don't know why he would have done that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so the next theory is murder. Yeah, well, maybe they ran away, but obviously something foiled their plans and murdered them instead. Yeah, something. Something did. or someone. Someone. Yeah. We're gonna go in my estimation, least likely to most likely oh. is how I have arranged these. Yeah. Um, and again, we don't know if they were kidnapped to be raped or just somebody just wanted to kill people for yeah. the hell of it. Or yeah. So we we'll, really we'll, um, we'll address that a little bit as we go through this. So I'm going to start with the least likely, huh? My, I think least likely, yeah. Wait Walter Krantz. 
You don't think Elvis is the least likely? I we just got did him, didn't we? Oh, okay, good point. See, okay. Haha. <laughs> Krantz was a 53-year-old man who called the police on January 15th to report that he had a dream that the bodies of the girls were in the Santa Fe Park, which was about a mile and a half from where they were actually found. And also they were discovered like a week later. So, Mm. you know, he called them a week before and said, the girls are here. And they found them a mile and a half away a week later. So the police thought, hmm. Uh, this is suspicious, but Krantz told the police that he should listen to them because psychic powers ran in his family. Oh, there you go. The police apparently, like, really seriously did interrogate him a number of times. Well, hell yeah. And because... if he was really psychic, he should have seen that coming. He should have seen it coming, guys. Well, I'll tell you, I would, I don't, I'm not psychic, and I would have seen it coming. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I was, uh, even if I had had that dream, I would have kept my mouth shut. Yeah, I think, and... uh, you know, he was just trying to be helpful. Maybe, but actually, it's, it's, a known, it's a known fact, though, that actually killers do sometimes actually quite often. And try to insert themselves mm-hmm. in the investigation. Yeah, we, we've, we've, done, talked we've talked about, about that many so times. many times. Yeah. yeah, it's almost like Joe is trying to insert himself in the narrative of killers inserting themselves into stories. Exactly. I'm always trying to just horn mm-hmm. in on your narrative yep, here. I know. I've Probably actually am. seen him in the bookstore writing his name into Joe. the text on yeah. stories. Yeah. Sometimes I'm actually trying to insert my body right into the bookshelves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It does. Yeah. Um, I'm not allowed in pals anymore. No. So, and by the way, just so you don't get the wrong idea, we're talking like head first. <laughs> So, you know, the police interrogated him and ultimately decided, well, no, he's just got, he's just comes from a family of psychics. He just knew. (laughs) He just knew within a mile and a half. So uh, he just happened to guess location and call them and he wasn't involved at all. So I I agree with them, actually. Look shut. And actually, he might have been right. Maybe the bodies were dumped there and maybe the groundskeepers there didn't want to deal with it and they moved bodies. Uh, Yeah, I don't think so. Next is Silas Jane. Yeah, remember him? Good old Cy. Remember Silas? We last talked about Silas in the context of the Indiana Dunes. Yeah. Or, Uh, excuse me, disappearances. Literally three weeks ago. Yeah. Talked about Silas Jane. Uh, He's not really a good suspect, unfortunately, for this one. And I'm honestly not even really sure how he's connected to the case other than being kind of a hugely disgusting human pile of trash. Yeah. It was very subtle. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Sorry, Silas, if you're listening, I guess. I. I don't know what you want from me, Steve. Um, it's usually it's kind of through this really tenuous connection with Kenneth Hansen, um, who the the connection to Silas Jane and Kenneth Hansen is not tenuous, but the connection with Hansen in this case is tenuous in that Hansen isn't even named as a suspect. It's just Silas Jane. But Hansen was a um, pedophile, and they were both connected to the Peterson Schlusscher case. We went through this pronunciation mm-hmm. conundrum before. I still can't do it. Yeah. And I don't think even Silas Jane actually had much to do with those murders. Hans, yeah. Well, the, no, the, the murders supposedly took place at his it's stable. At his stables, but, which it is wasn't, what, but he wasn't there when, that, when it happened. Right, and I, I think that what people are saying is that it could be a similar situation because I remember something about you know a- approaching the girls to see horses is what mm-hmm. is how people equate this. Except that typically for a guy like Hanson, there's there's predilection towards young boys mm. or young girls. So it's weird that he would be literally playing both sides of the fence. Yes, that's the weird part about him. Yeah, I don't, um, I don't think it was him, although it's. it's Funny story about it though. It's like you know somebody comes to you and says, "Hey, I murdered three young boys in your in your on your property," 
And Silas Jane, instead of saying, okay, and ratting him to the police, he just says, uh, okay, get rid of the bodies. Then he burned his stable down. Uh-huh. You have to cover any evidence. Yeah. So, yeah, there's there's a true friend. Yeah. It doesn't rat you out. Yeah. Well, or a good Silas business Jane, associate. I was going to say, Silas Jane had a lot to hide in his life. So this, it, it was, would, you know, burning down his sense. stable was kind of like, oh, great, I'll get rid of all that other evidence, too. I guess, yeah, and I got no some problem. insurance money, so yeah. no problem. Perfect. The other reason I don't like Kenneth Hansen as a, as a suspect is his M.O. was to approach, like, usually young men. Young boys. Or, or boys. Yeah, or not like even we young saying. men. And yeah. we're talking, like, and, and talking about, like, in the context Pre-teens. of, hey, do you want to go see some beautiful thoroughbred racehorses? Or, hey, would you like some employment, whatever? Mm-hmm. Those are usually his, his things. Yeah. So approaching the girls at 11 o'clock on a winter night and saying, oh, hey, no. You want a job? I mean, what what the hell? That's no. not the story that would work. I agree. It's it's not a good theory. So let's move on. Okay, next. Um, to Benny Bedwell. Yes. Oh, that's that name, a great one. It sounds familiar, right? We were talking about sightings. Yeah, we, he'd been mentioned Benny before. Bedwell, you see? Yeah. yeah Benny he was Bedwell, the dishwasher that was yeah. reportedly seen with the girls a few days after their disappearance. You know, when, um, when Patricia was just so drunk she couldn't walk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good party. Yeah. Benny's real name was Edward Lee Bedwell. He was just called Benny. Um, And he was 21 years old at the time of the disappearance. He was reportedly illiterate or even maybe borderline mentally retarded. And he was a drifter from Tennessee who apparently slightly resembled Elvis. I don't see the resemblance, but I do see he was attractive. He was an attractive young man, but I don't think he looked like the king. He looked like the king in the way that like most dudes from that age look kind of like the king hairstyles yeah they all wore their hair and their clothes and kind of had the affected face you know and the and they died they all had black hair you Mm -hmm. know by the way is it just me or does elvis half the time look like he had just had botox you ever notice that his face is always rather slack Uh in the early years Mm -hmm. kind of yeah kind of immobile yeah yeah Yeah, i always figured he must have had a lot of botox i was gonna say it's almost like he did a lot of drugs or something that could have been it you know i've seen uh, old willie nelson he always looked like a robot to me i saw him on some (laughs) tv show singing and i thought you know know, he's not real he's not they they put a mannequin there the only the only part of this that's moving at all is just his lips the rest of it's just like well no there's the hand that's got the joint moving back and forth and that is definitely not animated so benny oh yeah back to back to the mystery sorry the theory goes that the sisters were with Benny and another man on the 7th and then of after January of January after uh, seven days of drinking and feeding the girls hot dogs. That's a quote, a direct quote of what the police alleged um, Benny did. And then they, um, quote, beat the girls to death, unquote, after the girls refused further sexual advances and then dumped their bodies on the 7th. They're, so they waited seven days to beat them to death? They No, they were drinking and having a good time partying with the girls for seven days. And mm-hmm. then after the girls were like, oh, wait, we don't want to do this anymore. They got mad and beat them to death and mm-hmm. then dumped their bodies. There are a number of problems with this theory. <laughs> First off, the police did manage to get a signed confession from Benny that said, yes, this is exactly what happened. I fed them hot dogs and everything. But... He was, as previously mentioned, illiterate and mm. claims he was coerced, which I think is highly likely. He it was, was very standard at the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, second, there was like no evidence of the girls being beaten to death. Um, their autopsies provided no evidence that they'd had hot dogs or even alcohol. And third, Benny had actually been clocked in to work and like seen at work. Uh, not dishwashing, but another job that he was working um, when the girls were likely abducted. Gloss, you remember Harry Gloss, yeah, the, the uh, medical thing. examiner. Yeah, well, he wasn't a medical examiner; he was an investigator for the medical examiner. He was 
sure it was Benny. Um, and he insisted that there had been evidence of extreme sexual violence and abuse as well as intoxication or as well as intoxicants. So drugs and alcohol, both in both uh, Barbara and Patricia's systems and that 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 evidence was being withheld for uh, their mother's mm. well-being or benefit or something like that. Or it could have been withheld just because the police like to withhold certain bits of evidence, too, just from yeah. the public. Yeah, but I don't think it, to the detriment of the narrative of, you know, if they have a, if they have a suspect in custody and his story and matches, his story matches evidence, they're not going to say, no, yeah. no, no, that didn't happen. Yeah. yeah. We're not saying this because we're protecting the family's honor. Yeah. They're not going to do that. Yeah. They're going to use that to put him in yeah. irons. Yeah. It was actually, um, close. They said, okay, you're tr- no, you're lying. You retract your story. You're dragging this innocent man's name through the mud. And close said, no, I'm not going to. And so they fired him. <laughs> Yeah. And I, I agree. I don't think Benny did it. I think he was an easy Target. scapegoat. Um, I think he was just a guy who happened to be the unfortunate landing mm. block of some people. Well, the, uh, I'm sure police have cleaned up their act a lot since those days, at least hopefully so. But that, that kind of thing of like, you know, just badgering somebody until he finally breaks down and agrees to sign something. And they have well, sneaky ways of doing that. Like, and I've heard all kinds of stories about, well, all right, so we're going to write out a statement of what you said here. This mm-hmm. is not a confession. It's just a statement, so we're going to need you to sign it. And, of course, him being illiterate, like you say. Well, they, they could have, have literally, they could have said, yeah, this is just um, this is just a receipt for your stuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You know, I mean, like, if he was so illiterate that he literally didn't, you know, it was just, like, scribbles on a page. And I don't know how illiterate he was. You know, there's definitely a spectrum of illiteracy. Mm. But literally, he could have been looking at something. They could have told him it was 100% different. And he just said, okay, I'll sign it. It's mm. also a known thing that people will admit to things that they didn't do because they or sound like they're admitting to it because they've been inadvertently given clues of what to say. You know, mm-hmm. it's not a direct leading. Okay, so now say you took her down the street and then he, it, it's not that direct yeah. but they you know investigators well, but in, accident i mean it happens yeah. accidentally well but even in this case the story they were leading him to had no evidence to back it up so like he, what well, is even going the, on that's, there that's a hard thing so i think benny he's, he's pretty well safe yeah i agree mm, yeah well this is disappointing okay next 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 suspect theory theory suspect suspect yeah theory? exactly that's yeah. what i would call it yeah. um is max fleeg which is german for volume is it? No. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. I, don't I don't speak German. Okay, Max. Uh, Max was 17 years old at the time of the disappearance. I've heard about Max. One of the things I've never heard about him is how exactly he came to be a suspect to begin with. What he did, what, what else got him in trouble, I think, is, what, is what's got him yeah. as a suspect. I would agree with that. Although he failed a polygraph test, then reportedly admitted to kidnapping and murdering the girls. Um, so I'm not sure how he grabbed the interest of the police initially. I think he may have just been a local deviant, especially given what happened later in his life. Just one of the usual suspects. Yeah. But I mean, the police had to have known this, so I don't know why they did it, but it was at the time illegal to give a polygraph test to a minor, but he they was a minor. Not have known it. So I don't know why they did that, but they did. And so they had to let him go and, you know, get rid of all of the quote unquote evidence that they had collected during that time. Well, they had no evidence other than the Yeah. Polygraph. There's literally no evidence, circumstantial or otherwise, to link Max to this case. Although Max might have done it. He might have. He 
was later convicted and imprisoned for the murder of a 14-year-old girl who rebuffed his advances, and he just um, tossed her body into a pond. He suffocated her with a pillow. With a pillow. Mm, yeah. No. Max is Max He didn't. Is actually... He's not the one who suffocated someone with a pillow. Okay. He choked her. There's a there's a bunch of similar things. Yes. But there was a bunch of really skeezy ne'er-do-wells in was... this particular area of Chicago at the time. They so. really are, yeah. Although, so I, I get them a little mixed up. Yeah, it's easy to do. Yeah, I think of the suspects so far, Max is the strongest. For well, sure. that's good because we're going down the list of least likely to most likely. So it's good that you think that he's more likely than the others. Well, yeah, but I think I, I might have so. a couple that may be even more likely. Really? Mm-hmm. Next is a guy named Charles Melquist. He looks a bit like Elvis, too. Or like this character from Lazy Town that I don't really want to talk about how I know what a character from Lazy Town looks like or what even what is, Lazy Town is. What is Lazy Town? Just, I don't want to talk it's about it. It's a video game. Okay. It's not a video game. But I don't want to talk about it. Googling Lazy Town right now. A year after the Grimes sisters were found, a 15-year-old girl named Bonnie Lee Scott was found naked, tossed on the side of a road, a few miles from where the Grimes sisters had been found. And on November 16th, 1958, Loretta Grimes got a second call from a man she identified as the same caller who knew that Barbara had the crossed toes. And the caller told Loretta, I committed another perfect crime. This is another one those cops won't solve, and they're not going to hook it on Bedwill or Barry Cook. We'll talk more about that. Yeah, yeah. Benny Bedwell, Barry Cook, we haven't heard about yet. Most people link this call to Melquist because he admitted to murdering um, Scott. And the murders are pretty similar um, I'm not clear on the timing of this because it's possible that Melquist was in custody when the second call was placed. The stories of the murder charge and the second call to Loretta are side by side on the November 1958 issue of the Chicago Trib. Which is why I don't entirely trust the story. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. M- Melquist suffocated Scott with a pillow in his car when she rebuked his sexual advances and then stripped her body naked and dumped her on the side of the road. Just, you know, like I said, a couple miles away from where the Grimes were dumped. Some investigators say it's possible, as Joe was mentioning, that the Grimes sisters were suffocated and that's how they died, either by pillow or by hand and then dumped. So, or frozen and dumped. I mean, I guess it would make sense if maybe... You know, we're talking a sexual deviant. We're saying, like, maybe Patricia... Wait, which one was the one that had had sex? Barbara. Maybe Barbara was like, you know what? Okay, fine. Yes, we'll have sex. It's, you know, not rape. Or she... I don't know if she was dating him or, like, I don't know, something. And then he was like, all right, Patricia, it's your turn. And she was like, no. And then he just, you know, flew into a rage and killed them both. I don't know. The problem I really have with this is that Melquest actually wanted to be given the electric chair for uh, murdering Scott. He, mm, Bonnie he, Lee Scott. He seemed really remorseful. And if he really did like want to be given the death penalty, why would you not just say, oh, also I killed two other girls to really just cement your sentence? The, the problem with Melquist is that he yes he did smother uh scott but he also he smothered her he dumped her body he then came back later on and cut her head off 
Yeah, he did. He he, he came back to severely mutilated the body. Well, later. Yeah, he went back two or three times to the scene. Yeah, of the body, which is weird. And yet, for the Grime Sisters, there other than what the local animal population did to their bodies. We don't really well, see as any far as trauma know, though, after the fact. Well, I mean, cutting the head off is pretty severe. It is, and I'm sure that the idea was cut the head off and we'll take it and we'll hide it and they'll never be able to figure out who it was. Mm-hmm. Stupid thought process yeah. of a nut job. Yeah, but I mean, if he was going to do that once, you think again? You would think that he would have said, "Oh, well, I better take their heads. Oh, I better go back for their heads." Well, there's some escalation there, right? That's and especially what I was thinking, if. Yeah. Especially if you've done it before and left their heads on, or maybe you did it before and you thought the local rodents would, you know, rightly kind of mess them up and it didn't happen enough. So the next time you think, I know, I'll take the head. But if we're going to say escalation, then it seems like going for two right out of the gate, going from two to one you know, two taking on two girls is even if they're teenage girls That's a is lot. a much bigger task gate. than taking on one teenage girl. You guys remember three weeks ago when we were talking about like how maybe a serial killer killed the three women in the Indiana Dunes, and I was like, "Why would you do three as your first try?" And yes. you guys were like, "Because why not? Because there are three of them. They're just right there." That's what Joe said, "I didn't I know. say that." Uh. But I mean, I think <laughs> there's that same idea. Yeah. You know, it, it could just be that. Well, they were two girls together, or and maybe I don't the problem know. is that we know too much of the quote unquote standard pattern yeah. that we're we're falling prey to that. But it just seems weird that he would pick up these two girls and go for it, and then and then suddenly, you know, months later, just go after one and severely mutilate the body. It just mm-hmm. seems very different to me. Well, yeah, I think crime uh, of opportunity sometimes. There's, yeah, there's that. I mean, like I like with the Indiana Dunes thing. It's like, this is a beautiful opportunity. Even if there are three of them, well, so what? Uh, they're at my mercy because I got them on a boat on a lake. There's no witnesses. It's a little different than trying to, you know, abduct somebody off the streets, you know, into your car. Yeah, but I, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's hard to tell. I, I think Scott was dating Melquist at the time when um, he murdered her. Mm-hmm. So that wasn't an abduction. Do you remember how old Melquist was at the time? He was time? like 23 or 25. God, it was a completely different world. I forget that there's, you know, a 15-year-old girl dating a 23-year-old guy is yeah. totally normal. Well, I don't know if it was that, normal. You, it it just wasn't, plenty. you know, as... It wasn't as frowned upon. It, it still happens today. I mean, it's not as though... And I still think it's weird. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, but, but I, you know, so who's to say that you know, maybe Barbara was seeing him or maybe, you know, sh- maybe one of them knew him. An I mean, acquaintance of some yeah, yeah, it's not it's not insane to think. And also, if they're walking home it, in the middle of winter and it's cold and it's late and somebody they know drives up and says, do you guys want a ride? Mm. And they say, sure, it's just a couple blocks. We'll take a ride from that cute, hunky college boy. And then, oops, it turns out he's a psychopath and murders them. Mm, happens. I mean, mm. you know, it's not exactly an abduction. I mean, it is an abduction, but it's not like this huge Forcible fiasco. Forcible off the streets, or... kind of grabbing yeah. them and right, screaming you in, in your yeah. car. Van. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and that brings me to something that we talked about before. When you were talking about the timeline, there was a sighting of the girls having gotten off of the bus early. Mm-hmm. And th- what you were just saying of like giving, getting, picking up a or thumbing a ride in some way or shape or form. Mm -hmm. I had been wondering, why would they get off of the bus 
except that you said I think the timing was about 20 minutes before they should have arrived at home, if I remember that correctly. Does that ballpark sound right? Uh, 30 to 40 minutes. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know how much time... I think you guys have spent a fair amount of time on buses and public transportation. Mm -hmm. And what made me think about why would they get off of the bus is if they had to go to the bathroom. Mm. You know, exactly. I, I've done that. I've I've gotten on the bus, and 15 minutes later, I'm like, I have half an hour till I have to get there. I'm getting off of this next stop. I will find some place that's open. Mm -hmm. I will use their restroom, and I will get back on the next bus that comes by. Or walk. Oh, well, oh, well, you know, if it's far enough that it's a half hour ride, I'm willing to wait the 20 minutes to have relieved my bladder. Yeah. So that that's that was one of the things I thought yeah. of when we were talking about I that mean, earlier. Or there, or there was somebody creepy, or maybe... They they were riding the bus with somebody they knew. Or you know, maybe there and... was some place along the way to stop and get ice cream or God knows what. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. All Good kinds point. of reasons to Good get point. off. Yeah, true. Or maybe the bus just reeked of urine. and. Or maybe you know. they didn't have to be home. I remember, you know, being a teenager and knowing like, okay, this is when I have to be home and I'm enjoying myself not being home sure. around You're the four or five other kids and my single mom, you know, who I'm sure is lovely and giving, but also like you're a teenager. So like, blah. you know, maybe it was as simple as it's a nice night out. You know, it's kind of snowy. It's kind of fun. We don't need to be home for another half hour. Let's sure. just get off and walk. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right. Um, last suspect. Mm. Final suspect. Final suspect. Final answer. Final answer. Um, Barry Cook. You oh, remember the Barry Cook? Yeah, the Barry Cook. Mm, I don't know. Baby. Some, you know. Love uh, you, baby. Oh, that's that's a different Barry. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's yeah. Barry White. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Never mind. Uh, Barry... Doesn't look anything like Barry Cook. <laughs> he doesn't. Sure. Yeah, Barry Cook actually served time in prison, not for the Grimes murders. Uh, he did sort of kill somebody. Not for the Silas Jane connected murder of three boys, the Peterson Sussler murder, nor the murder of Margaret Gallagher, nor the murder of Judith May Anderson, though he is likely connected to all of those things. He spent nine years in the Joliet jail and he was released on September 20th, uh, 1967. He has since married and has kids, so you will see a, a lot of um, blogs and articles online who refuse to name him. Apparently, because of the kids. yeah, they think that like the kids should be spared. Well, it's fifty years later. It is. That's true. Cook was actually never ever convicted of any crimes, but so he, he must was, have pleaded guilty then. He and, no, and avoided a trial because how did he how did he wind up in prison if he was not convicted of anything? He was. He was sentenced. He pled guilty to this. He wasn't ever convicted of, of yeah. any of the murders. Uh, he wasn't, you know, anything like that. He pled guilty to rape and assault to rape. Um, and he was sentenced to one to 14 years in Statesville prison. Um, and he was released early for good behavior. Statesville doesn't sound like a real place. Statesville? Statesville sounds, sounds like, like a, a place you would name. see on The Sims or something. Yeah. 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 It's like Cookieville mini, minim, Minimum Security Orphanage. <laughs> yeah. Um, but apparently Barry Cook passed a lie detector test for the Grimes murders and the Peterson Schlussler murders. So the police decided he was not guilty of the crime. Freaking lie detectors. So there you go. Yeah. That's, um... Well, Cook, you know... That's you know, it. Yeah. I think he... Wait, wait, wait. So, whoa, you... 
you you just like dropped him and walked away like he was a bad microphone like wait why why is he the the last on your least to most likely suspect list well because he was awful i mean he i think he definitely was involved in all of those murders in some way i think he was a serial killer and he just managed to not get caught he got caught for like rape charges but he was a violent sexual deviant who has a long history of being very closely connected to a number of cases that are all very similar to each other. They all, most of them, except for the one with the Silas Jane one, you know, they're all young women, like 13 to 15 years old. They were all suffocated and dumped naked yet, on the side of the road. Somehow he managed to go straight and, or either that or he was just really good. He got back out of prison, has had a family, continued to yeah, kill. Yes, I, I don't know. I have no that's, idea. See, that's that's my uh, that's why I'm asking because I don't know the fact that this guy is I'm going to use your term linked to all of these other murders, yeah, but never caught, and yet he was investigated. It smacks a little strange, as if he is the usual suspect. It's almost like a gloss. Is that the investigator? Uh-huh. It's almost as if somebody similar to him had said, you know, that Barry Cook, he's a bad apple. <laughs> we got to get that guy. We yeah. have got to get get him for something and hey we've got a dead girl bring barry cook in yeah well you know we're gonna put him in the lineup no no she didn't pick him out oh another dead girl bring barry cook in you know Mm -hmm. he's he's like the most wanted of the local police Well, the trick is that with all of these murder i mean you know the grimes sisters there's no evidence. There was no evidence on their bodies, right? There's nothing so, to link anybody to which the Which is case, why you, right? you can't really say Barry Cook was not actually seriously linked to much of anything because there wasn't any evidence in any of these crimes in any that, of them. that really tied him right. to those Which things. almost, you know, in my mind, almost speaks more than if there was evidence. I mean, obviously, if there was evidence, that speaks a lot. But I also think it's equally suspicious that there happened to be no evidence on any of these bodies, but I do agree that it is, it does seem odd that, uh, he managed to spend some time in jail, like nine years in jail and then, you know, get out and get married and have kids and lead a otherwise normal life. Yeah. As far as we know. Well, as far as we know. Well, yeah. I mean, but if he was out still hunting around and, and, you know, slumming a little bit going out, Oh, but it's, I've had a couple of drinks. Let's go kill a girl. There should have been more bodies dropping. Well, I, this is not something you should say, but maybe he picked up some good tips in his stay at Juliet. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I've never understood what it was that he did to initially become a suspect in in this. I totally agree. To then, because it's never listed. Yeah. You know, it's never, it's never said. It's It's just, again, it's because people are trying to protect him and his family. I well no. What I mean is that I've never seen which case he first showed up in to then be able to try and link him backwards in time. In other words, to build the timeline of oh he was hauled in for stealing the 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 governor's car or something like that, and and that's when they said you're on the bad track, boy. You got to clean up. Like mm-hmm. I just I want to I want to build that's... the timeline of him out, and I've never well, I tried a little bit. That's it's a tricky, impossible. It's a tricky thing because you know if you're gonna like do a crime like this, which can be opportunity or it can be something, you know, very mm-hmm. planned or whatever, no matter what, a lot of them are going to look about the same. You're going to abduct a girl, maybe rape her, maybe not, and, but in the, in, the, in, in the interim wind up strangling or dumping her by the side of the road somewhere. 
So that's the same MO. They look a lot alike. You yeah. Know? And you could say, wow, these must have been committed by the same guy. Well, not necessarily at all. I mean, it could be it's, it's all a, entirely a, randomly a, different yeah. people. It's very similar acts mm-hmm. that yeah. can appear. But yeah. I will also say that we are talking about Chicago, and it mm. doesn't have, like, no crime. So it wouldn't, I mean, you know, just because Probably we haven't local. heard of them doesn't mean... Yeah, you know, no, but I mean, we can also happening. say at, at that time in Chicago, there were a lot of people moving through that area mm-hmm. who could have been almost like, who is the truck driver that was leaving mm-hmm. prostitutes across the interstate system of this country? You like, mean the happy, the happy face killer? No, mm-hmm. not that one. No, this was uh, like 15 or 20 years ago, and I can't remember who it is. It doesn't matter. Somebody no, there was, the happy face killer us. was actually a truck driver who, who killed people all, all around the interstate highway system. There was a just happy face killer. Not, well, oh no, I'm sorry. I'm thinking you're just thinking of the smiley face. Yeah, killer. no. There's also a happy face okay. killer. But but yeah. the th- my point is is that there were people flowing through Chicago. Oh, yeah. it could have been like a town. river, no pun oh, yeah. intended. Oh, yeah. So that's a major shipping hub, of yeah. course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'll just finish by saying it definitely wasn't Doctor Hodel. No, I don't think it was Doctor Hodel either. Uh, I do suspect it was probably somebody they knew. Mm-hmm. I would I agree with that. I suspect that. Uh, other than mm-hmm. that, I don't, don't have a clue. Yeah. So many good suspects. That's and I, But I also, I I think they probably did die in the ME timeline of, you know, 24 hours mm-hmm. after I would their agree disappearance. And then they were held, you know, somewhere. Mm-hmm. Kept, in a, kept in an icebox somewhere. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Other okay. than that, well, hmm. Yeah, that's... Uh, well, gosh, hang on. Let's, let me think. Who can we hang this on? Well... Okay, forget it. I don't. I have nothing. You want to wind it up? I do. Okay. Ready? Um, sure. Okay. You can find some links to our research. We'll probably throw at least one old-timey news article in there. Um, There's a lot of them out there. Mm-hmm. Yep. That will be found on our website. The website is thinkingsidewayspodcast.com. You can listen to us there. You can also listen to us on iTunes or you can stream us or whatever. If you can, subscribe if you haven't already. And if you can, uh, rate and review. A that's good review great. is best. Always best. Yeah. You can find us on social media if you want to have a conversation. We're on Facebook. We've got a page and a group. So like the page and join the group. Yep. Yeah. Oh. Um, you can find us on Twitter. We are thinking, thinking sideways. Lots of so much fun stuff there. <laughs> uh, we also have a subreddit, and it's just thinking sideways. You can email us as well. We are thinking sideways podcast at gmail.com. You can buy merchandise if you want. Um, we have some pretty cool stuff. There's links on the sidebar, you know, mugs, stuff like that. Um, shirts. Uh, t-shirts. Yeah. The thinking sideways murder kit. Mm-hmm. That's perfect. Uh, thinking sideways serial killer's manual. Uh-huh. That yeah. Joe's been working on for the last 30 years of his life. It, it's yeah. written in very tight handwritten mm-hmm. scripts, so it's a little hard to read. A lot yep. of stuff is A lot of stuff packed yeah. into those five pages. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Um, a lot all of diagrams, that, yeah. All of that having been said, um, I think we're going to get out of here. All right. Well, till next week, uh, au revoir. So we have got to work on that guardrail for the state that you can't pitch a body over. I don't think it's going to happen. We really need to patent that. I don't think it's going to happen. They'll just go to a a road that doesn't have guardrails. True. (sighs) Bully. Bye, guys. Not too loop.